Hey everybody, it's Brock Falk, and I want to thank you for listening to this message from Heritage Church of Christ. We would be thrilled to share more content like this with you and make it easy for you to share it with others. You can find more messages like this on our podcast, or you can download our smartphone app by searching for Heritage Church of Christ in your app store. But most importantly, I hope this message encourages you to take a next step toward a thriving relationship with Jesus. Enjoy. Guide. Third, it's generally a good idea to speak in the same general direction that the church is headed. Uh, The the role of a prophet is necessary sometimes, but you don't go looking for it. Uh, Fourth, you always try to preach shorter than the regular guy. At five foot eight, that's not a challenge for me typically. Uh, Also, you should usually expect some sort of practical joke along the way. Uh, something to try to show you you're part of the gang. Uh, in first service, Matteo told me that I was supposed to enter through Brock's holy door off to the side there. And I told him I did not think I was worthy, that the door would not open to me. And in fact, it did not. Um, it was still locked. And so it turns out that sometimes you knock and the door is not open to you. But in between services, they unlocked it for me so that I could come in that way. Uh, additionally, you, you just have to figure out that you got to get used to smaller crowds because typically you're preaching to the faithful few who have not traveled for the holiday weekend. So when Brock graciously invited me to come and speak, um, I looked at the calendar. I was looking for the holiday. I knew that it wasn't Memorial Day. It was too late for that. And so pretty quickly I noticed it is Pentecost Sunday. And I wrote Brock back. I said, Brock, there's gotta be some kind of mistake, man. How, How could you possibly have given me such a great Sunday like Pentecost? But as it turns out, Brock doesn't rate Pentecost Sunday as highly as he does Christmas and Easter. And so he was okay with me just taking the reins and running with it. In fact, in our fellowship of churches, in the churches of Christ, we don't talk a lot about Pentecost. For a lot of our brothers and sisters in other streams of Christianity, uh, whether around the world or even here in the States, Pentecost Sunday is a pretty big deal. And it wraps up three months of focusing on the heart of the gospel. It begins with a season of fasting and lament that leads into our Easter celebration where we remember the death and the burial and the resurrection, and then eventually the ascension of Jesus. And then today is that day when we and Christians around the world get to remember the fact that God sent his Holy Spirit on his children. So as we get started, I want us to read that story uh, before we go any farther. I'm gonna read actually what is a pretty good sized chunk of the second chapter of Acts over you. I'm a big fan of the word of the Lord read out in public in front of people. And so we're gonna, we're gonna have that opportunity today to hear a pretty good sized chunk of Acts chapter two. You're gonna find the book of Acts. It's the fifth book in your New Testament. It comes right after the gospels, uh, which just mean the good news about Jesus. That's all the word gospel means. And Acts is actually part two of the gospel of Luke. It's a continuation of Luke's story about all that Jesus did, only this time it's through his disciples who are sent and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So we're gonna take a look at that. So friends, I'd ask you to join me in reading Acts chapter two. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other languages, other tongues, as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem some God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Luke might have been exaggerating there. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard them speaking in their own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men Galileans? 
then, then, then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Here we take a deep breath. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own languages. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And some of them, however, there's, there's always a few. Some of them made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. So Peter stands up with the 11. He raises his voice and he addresses the crowd. And he says, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I'm going to say. And it's a great opening to a sermon. These people are not drunk. It's generally a good way to start your sermon. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'm going to pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness. The moon will be turned to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of a wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God, and let me just tell you, friends, anytime you see those two words, but God, get ready for some good news. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Now, just as I gave the online crowd an opportunity to skip part of the sermon if they wanted to, we're gonna skip part of Peter's sermon. We'll go towards the end. We pick back up in verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. So when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are fall off, far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Then with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized. And get this, about 3,000 were added to their number that day. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So before we jump into discussing what we just read, I think we probably need a little bit of a backstory on why Jews had gathered from all of those different nations to celebrate Pentecost. So one of the main primary feasts was Passover. Passover was that meal that Jesus took and he invested it with new meaning at the Lord's Supper. And it commemorated what was for the Jews one of the, one of the biggies, one of their biggest moments in their people's history when God freed them from slavery in Egypt. It marked the night when God freed them from slavery by passing over their homes. It's where we get the name for the, for the holiday, Passover, and going on to destroy then the firstborn 
in every other house in Egypt. It's, it's a brutal story, but it was what it took to free God's people from slavery. Then 50 days later, the Israelites arrive at Mount Sinai where their leader Moses eventually went up on the mountain to receive the law from God. And this pair together, Passover to liberate them from slavery and Pentecost to celebrate the coming of the law were a pretty important part of their year. And then because of where it fell in the calendar, with time, Pentecost also became a celebration of first fruits. Uh, if all was going the way it's supposed to, that's when they were able to have the first bit of wheat harvest and they would bring that as an offering to God. So that's where our story opens. And it helps us understand why Jews had come from so many different nations into one place. It was to celebrate Passover and Pentecost. Now that particular Pentecost was special because 10 days earlier, only 10 days earlier, Jesus had been taken up into heaven. Luke tells us Jesus spent 40 days with those disciples after his resurrection before he was taken up into heaven to be with the Father. And the apostles were told, wait. The Holy Spirit's coming, just wait. So when Acts chapter two opens, that's what they're doing. They're sitting around waiting, which we all know is a delight to just wait. But in those very first few verses that I read, Jesus' promise to them was fulfilled. The Spirit of God, which up until then had only been poured out on a few people once in a while on special occasions, was now given to all of Jesus' followers in that place. And the proof of this, it was accompanied by signs, by a noisy wind, by fire. I always thought those two kind of were a little bit dangerous if you mixed them together, and by this gift of languages. It's a fulfillment of what John the Baptist had said way back at the beginning of Luke's gospel in Luke chapter three, when he said that the one coming after him would baptize us with what? With spirit and with fire. So there's a couple of things I think we need to notice about this being Pentecost, a first fruits festival. They are first fruits. They're not best fruits, they're first fruits. I'm not actually a very good gardener, but one of the things that I have learned in gardening is that you're gonna get pretty excited about that first tomato or about that first bell pepper. But the reality is that, that those, those fruits are gonna pale in comparison to the stuff that's coming. The better stuff is on the way. The first fruits are special because they're just that, they're first. But one of the things I also learned living in West Africa where, where there's significant food scarcity as a problem those first fruits are really important. When, when you haven't had any rain and you haven't had a harvest in months and that granary is getting really low, those first fruits, which the Jews actually brought as a gift to God, they often mean the difference between full and empty bellies come nighttime. Well, the apostles are just this, they're first. They are the first fruits of the spirit. And if you've been following along in Luke's gospel, you'll know that the, gospel, that the apostles weren't necessarily the brightest bunch. They weren't gonna be the best, but they were this. They were the first, and that's a big deal. They are the promise of even greater things to come. But along with this, there's this, there's this pretty cool directional thing that's happening. Jesus, who has gone up in heaven, is, is the first part of earth. Remember, he was a man. Even after his resurrection, he could still cook and eat fish. Um, Jesus is the first part of earth transformed in newness that's now in heaven. And then the Holy Spirit comes down from heaven and it's the first part of heaven that now comes to earth to be in us. These two things together, the ascension, the going up of Jesus and the descent, the coming down of the Spirit, paint a picture of what God's up to in redeeming his world. And friends, it's a pretty cool picture. We need to pay attention to it. 
So that gets us through verse four, when the spirit came down. Those next verses, they detail this miracle in which the apostles began to speak in a variety of different languages for all present to hear in their own language. Now, those of you who have ever sat through a Bible class that I taught, first of all, you have my condolences. Secondly, you're probably afraid that I'm right now going to really kind of geek out and talk about all of those different nations. Don't be afraid, I'm not gonna do that. That would be nerdy even by my standards. What I am gonna say is that it's enough to say that the roll call of the nations included much of the Roman conquered world of the first century. It included Aramaic and Greek speaking countries along with Rome as a European contributor. The point though, isn't which countries. The point is that the worldwide witness of the gospel, the good news of Jesus has already started. On that day, that first Pentecost, the good news of Jesus is gonna go back to all the world through the Jews and the Jewish converts who were represented there. But what I want you to hear also, it has started, but it's not fulfilled yet. Every one of those people who was gathered and who received the coming of the Holy Spirit were still Jews, whether they were converts or they were ethnic Jews born into the family. What I want you to see is that the Jews were the first fruits. They were the first fruits on that harvest festival, the first ones to believe, the first ones to receive the Spirit. Samaria and then the rest of the world were still to come. But we get to see the first bit of harvest that's coming. Which then, what about those languages? What's the, what's the story with those languages? Well, I think as he usually does, God was working on a couple of different levels. On one level, he was enabling the, the apostles to speak because he was doing something on that day in that place. And my goodness, 3,000 people came to Jesus on one day. That's pretty great on, on any occasion, but particularly when you consider what kind of percentage growth that was of the church, going from that huddled group of believers who were just waiting to now 3,000 people. God did do something amazing that day. But I also think he was working on another level. I think it's something that perhaps Jews who swam in the Old Testament more than we do might have picked up on that we might miss. I believe that in this miracle, of uneducated Galileans speaking multiple languages were supposed to be reminded of the time when God first confused the languages of the people. This was done way back at the Tower of Babel. This is one of those stories that's told in the early days of creation, it's Genesis chapter 11. Uh, it's one of those stories that we always wanna make sure our kids hear. Uh, and so in those early days, God had told humanity, fill the earth. One of the multiple ways that our ancestors chose to disobey was by staying put. They stayed put, they got prideful, and so they decided they're gonna build a tower that reaches all the way up to God. God put a stop to this by confusing their languages, at which point they finally got around to obeying his command to fill the earth. But then look at what happens right next. The very next thing in scripture, in Genesis chapter 12, is where you find the calling of Abraham. At the time, his name was Abram. He's the father of the Jews. He's the first one to receive the promise, the covenant of blessing. And do you remember why God chose Abram? It wasn't actually for him. It wasn't actually for his family. God makes it clear in the promise that he gave in Genesis 12, two and three, when he said, I, God, will make you, Abram, into a great nation. I'm gonna bless you. I will make your name great and you'll be a blessing. I'm gonna bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I'm gonna curse. And, who, and all people on earth will be blessed through you. It wasn't about Abraham. 
It was always about the nations. God blessed Abram so that he could bless and call the nations. Our God has always been, from the very first day that he had a people to call his own, he's always been about the nations. So then we can fast forward from Babel up to that Pentecost. And this time, the coming of the Holy Spirit is undoing the punishment at Babel by returning understanding between all these languages that have been gathered. The Holy Spirit, the coming of the Holy Spirit is putting back together what sin had so long ago undone in a way that is so creative, only our God could have imagined it. God redeems the punishment for our pride, those scattered and confused languages and peoples, as a means of showing his blessing for the people. Somehow, in the coming of the Spirit, the punishment became the blessing. God is so good. So our final section is Peter's sermon. There's, there's a ton of good stuff in there, including the stuff that I actually skipped for time's sake. Uh, but what I really want to zero in on is a quote that Peter used from the prophet Joel. It's such a big deal, I think it's worth reading again. Peter, quoting Joel, said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, even on servants, both men and women, I'm gonna pour out my spirit in those days and they'll prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. There'll be blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun's gonna be turned to darkness. The moon's gonna be turned to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now the last days, as Peter understood them, have come. They've come in Jesus and we are still living in them. I know it sounds pretty funny 2000 years later to say we're still living in the last days, but it's true. We are blessed friends to get to live in the in-between times. Jesus has come, Jesus is still coming. The kingdom has come. And so therefore, when we pray in Jesus' name and when we act in Jesus' name, we should expect good stuff to happen because the kingdom has come. But the kingdom is still coming. It is not yet fully on earth as it is in heaven. And so sometimes when we pray, we get disappointed by God's answer. Sometimes it seems like in the short term, evil wins the day, as we've seen in the news so often lately. Living in the in-between times, or as Peter and Joel both called them, the last days, is a very special, difficult privilege that we've all been given. But here's what I really want you to notice. Look at that list of who's included. It's men, women, young, old, and everybody all the way down to servants. What I want you to see is that God's work, God's sending of the Spirit is wonderfully inclusive. Everyone has a spot at the table. But what I want you also to notice is that God's work is somehow also wonderfully focused. Men, women, young, old servants, all who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. Our God is so creative and he is so good to humanity that his work is at the same time incredibly inclusive, far more than we are, and also incredibly focused by telling us we have to call on the name of, the Je on the name of Jesus in order to be saved. Well, out of all these different ways that we could, we could take Pentecost, what we've looked at and apply to our lives today, there's three things that I wanna take away. Number one, I want you to remember that Pentecost is a celebration of the Holy Spirit in God's people. 
it's the fulfillment of a promise Jesus made to not leave us alone. That's true. But it's so much more than that. It's more than just Jesus making sure we don't get lonely. Back in John 16, Jesus told some very bewildered disciples, and that, that's not unusual for them. They were pretty bewildered a lot of the time. He told those disciples that it is a good thing for him to go away and leave them, specifically because it's only when he leaves that he can send the Holy Spirit. Somehow, the presence of the Holy Spirit in us is better than the physical presence of Jesus standing right beside us. Consider the implications of that for a moment. How many times, you just think of one time, how many times would you have given anything to pull Jesus aside and ask him the question on your mind? What Jesus told the apostles who were with him and could do that at any moment was, there's something coming that's even better than that. So that Holy Spirit that all of us have been given on belief in Jesus is that. It is the fulfillment of that promise. But Jesus actually went on even farther in John 16. He told the disciples that the Spirit is better because it's going to convict the world about three things, sin, righteousness, and judgment. And as the people of God, those who have been called according to His name and filled with the Holy Spirit, we know this world is wrong. This world is confused about sin and what is right and about judgment. We know that this world will not, this world cannot be ever made right again as God intended it to be without the Spirit of God in the hearts of people. We can advocate for political or legislative solutions to stop senseless violence, and I think we should. But whether it be racist violence of an 18-year-old kid who buys into an ignorant lie, or it's assault rifle-empowered 18-year-old kids at an elementary school, or a suicidal shooter in Tulsa, we know that the only thing that changes societies at their root are individuals and small groups of people changed and transformed and empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's the good news of Pentecost, is that change is possible. It's through the Holy Spirit. And that leads us to our second takeaway. Pentecost is a celebration of God's love for the nations. All those present at Pentecost, I'll grant you that, that were there for the coming of the Spirit were Jews. But nevertheless, it was to the nations and it was for the nations. There was nothing about the story of Jesus. Peter makes that very clear in his sermon. Nothing about the death, burial, resurrection, ascension that happened by accident. God knew ahead of time that the nations would be represented in Jerusalem on the day he sent the Spirit. It was on purpose. And we've already talked about how it was undoing Babel, something that happened millennia ago, and how the Pentecost news is so wonderfully inclusive. But we also need to pay just close attention to the end of Peter's sermon. And remember, this powerful sermon that we just read, a couple of months ago, that same guy denied Jesus in front of a servant girl uh, around a campfire. So remember that every time you read this powerful sermon from him about how immediately the Spirit changed Peter. Now, the truth is, friends, if you hang out in the churches of Christ long enough, you are at some point going to get a good dose of Acts 2.38. That is one of our bedrock verses, and with good reason. But we cannot stop there. We have to press on to Acts 2.39 because there's some good news there too. We're told that the promise of salvation and the Spirit is for us, yes. But it's also for our children and our children's children and the generations that are gonna follow us and for those who are scattered around the world. The Holy Spirit's presence both then and now is really about the nations. And finally, I want you to notice that Pentecost is the beginning of a new chapter 
in the same story God's always been telling. From the very beginning of time, recognizing that God predates time, he's existed way before we understood what we understand as time. God has been about redemption and restoration and reconciliation. Just as he knew way back at creation that he would one day have to send Jesus in order to redeem us, he also knew that one day he would get to send the Holy Spirit into the hearts of redeemed people. The incarnation of Jesus, the way that the Son of God became man and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the way that the Spirit of God comes into each of us, they're not the same thing, but they're related. And we need to consider them together because they're both important parts of what God's always been up to in the world. The time when Jesus walked the earth was a unique, special chapter in God's story of the world. The coming of the Spirit on Pentecost, which we celebrate today, also started a special, unique chapter. And you and I, we get to be characters in that chapter. I also have the privilege on this particular Pentecost to wrap up by telling you about a special new chapter here at Heritage in the story that God has been writing in the Heritage family from the beginning, dating all the way back to our days as the Midtown Church. This church has a history of being involved in the proclamation of the good news about Jesus to the nations. It's a part of our DNA. Over a period of years, we wrapped up commitments to faithful servants who'd partnered with us and your church leadership decided it was time to start something new in global outreach. And then COVID. How many, how many conversations do we have to end that way with? And then COVID, but however, but God brought us through that. And even though we had some significant speed bumps along the way, I'm here to tell you today about two pretty cool things about God's heart for the nations and the way heritage is jumping into that. One of them you're already aware of. You are going to be sending out a dozen of your sons and daughters from this church to Walaco, Honduras in July to serve short-term alongside Mission Upreach, an organization that serves there long-term in the region. I am eager to see what God decides to do through that group of heritage, from heritage that extends the blessing that we've received from the Spirit to others of God's children in Honduras. We're gonna to get to tell you more about what's coming uh, as we get farther on into the month of July when we leave at the end of July. But right now, I just want you to join me in praising God for the fact that for the first time in a really long time, because it's been a while, my daughter Amelie, who's going on the trip, wasn't born the last time Heritage sent a short-term youth group trip out. So it's been a while, it's been coming, but the Heritage Student Ministry is heading international and that's worth celebrating today. A second thing that I want you to be aware of in response to the Spirit's leading, a small group of this church family has been meeting for over a year to pray. We've been seeking out God's will for this church family in long-term missions. We spent a lot of last year praying for the nations. We brought maps, we spread them out on the table and we prayed for the nations. We brought in former missionaries to come and talk to us about Muslims and about Hindus and about Buddhists and about animists and we learned how to pray for those specific lost groups of God's family. And we then set aside a specific window to listen. We asked the Holy Spirit to speak. And then we came back together and we shared with each other what we had heard and by God's grace, he gave us one voice. He brought one vision of what we're to do. What we heard is that we are now in the time for heritage to send new missionaries out long-term. And specifically, God has prepared this church to send missionaries to work with Muslims who live either in North Africa or in Southern Europe. 
We believe that's what God is calling us to. And so we took this and we went to the shepherds and we went to the staff and we, we told them what we've heard from the Lord. And our shepherds and staff, they blessed us. They said, we agree and we are in agreement with what you have heard and we bless you. Let's move forward in this. And so this is something that's got me more than a little bit excited. You can probably tell that I'm a little excited about this, but we are very soon gonna get to be sending out missionaries from Heritage to be a part of leading Muslims into a thriving relationship with Jesus. And I think that's worth celebrating too. Now, the good news is this is gonna be a church-wide kind of thing. There are so many different ways for us to serve in sending missionaries well. And I believe Heritage wants to do it well. And so we're all, we're all still just learning about it. This little small group that's been praying, we are way too few to pull off sending missionaries with excellence. And so I wanna invite you. Our next gathering of this group that's been praying for mission for a while is three weeks from today after second service on June 26th. If this is the kind of thing that gets you excited, if the thought of being here in North Texas and having a hand in Muslims across the world coming to find Jesus excites you, then mark your calendar and come join us on June 26th. And what I would say to you is, if you sit there and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know anything about mission. I don't really know much about the world. I don't have any experience with that. I would tell you, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it for a couple of reasons. Number one, we're all new at this. We're all learning how to do this. This church hasn't done this in a while. And so we're all starting on the same place, but we believe God has called us to it. For that reason, we're gonna schedule some time to get trained. We're gonna bring in some people who can teach us how to be a good mission sending church. So you're, you're not behind. That training is still to come down the road. Secondly, I would remind you that God has this really cool habit of taking people with availability and with desire and equipping them for what he calls them to. We believe he's calling this church into global outreach. And therefore we believe he's gonna give us what we need to make that happen through the Holy Spirit. And what I want you to think this morning is that he might mean you. You might be called by God to be a part of this church sending a family well to go make disciples among Muslims. Now, when Jesus told that small group of followers that was there waiting to change the world, it was an absolutely impossible task. Never could have happened, but God, sent his Holy Spirit and the world outreach happened. We also, as a small group of believers, have received a call from the Lord to send out a family to serve and to help Muslims come to Christ. On the other side of the world, and friends, it's an impossible task. We can't do that. But God has empowered each of us with the Holy Spirit. And therefore, if he's called us to it, he's gonna give us what we need to make that happen. So right now I'm gonna wrap up by praying to that end. I'm also gonna speak a blessing over you uh, and then we'll be dismissed. Our Father in heaven, we are so grateful for the coming of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost 2000 years ago. And we are grateful that the Spirit still comes. That every one of us who are called by your name, who have believed in Jesus Christ and accepted him by baptism have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that we are spirit-filled, spirit-empowered disciples of Christ who get to be about our own relationship with Jesus as well as introducing others into a relationship with Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray for my friends who have come this morning to join me in worship today. I pray that as we leave this place, we would go out as people sent 
and empowered by the Holy Spirit to be about leading people into growing relationships with Jesus. And Father, I also pray over our entire church that this vision that you have given us of sending out a missionary family to go and serve Muslims on the other side of the world, that you would bring it to fruition through your Holy Spirit. And when you do that, God, we promise you, we will give you the credit for it because we know it's the, only, it's the kind of thing that only happens by your Holy Spirit. So Father, send us out today. Use us as your people in a lost and broken world to come with the good news of Jesus the Christ. It's in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit that I've prayed these things over my friends. Amen.